Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and unfortunately, I'm not here with my normal partner, Gary Quill. Uh, Gary's got some personal issues going on. Our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family at this time. I know he would be here if he could, especially for the Belmont Stakes. But we have an excellent, excellent fill-in, someone who's been on the show a few times before. I've gotten to know pretty well. He's an astute handicapper, a smart better. He's from the West Coast, and his name is Chris Otto. Chris, welcome back to Better Betting. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Yep, feels good to, feels good to be back, uh, you know, Unfortunately, it's under these circumstances, but I'm always wishing Gary all the best with him and his family. But as we, you know, the show must go on. So I'm here to help out with the Belmont Sticks and give people some good insight and advice for this Saturday's um, events. Yeah, and we haven't spoken in a while. I mean, we back and forth message, but we haven't really been together in a while now. How are things going out in California for you? Very well. So I've been busy with the day job. So just doing some job transitioning now so you know wrapping up one project and going on to the next so i'm looking forward to the the next chapter in my career and the best part about having chris on is i would say chris santa anita would be your main track that you follow is that fair to say santa anita delmar especially delmar delmar i never missed a uh, a meet down there and the seaside race oval so Santa Anita Del Mar, my main focus. All right, so I, I bring up Santa Anita because this is like a Santa Anita card. It's got like four or five <laughs> horses all day. So Chris is the perfect guy to talk to. But on a serious note, uh, we decided to do the late pick five here because even though it doesn't include all stakes races and we're skipping some of the, quote, big grade one races, I don't really have much to say in a five-horse field. And I really have no desire to bet five-horse fields with heavy chalks that I'm probably not going to try and beat. In fact, I don't think I'm betting the Belmont card other than this late pick five. I'm looking at Monmouth and even Laurel has big fields. So that's what I will be most of the day on Saturday. So we're going to go over the late pick five and it begins with race nine, the Metropolitan Handicap or the Met Mile as it's more commonly known. And we have a monster in here, Chris, I think. And that monster's name is Flightline. Are you going to try and uh, beat Flightline or are you with Flightline? So I'm not going to try to be Flightline. I think that if this horse, if Flightline breaks from the rail running, and that could be a concern considering his last start, how he had, how uh, he was off a half step slowly, you know, leaving the gate. But if he breaks running from, from the rail, I don't think there's any horse in this race, including Speaker's Corner, who can touch Flightline going into the, going to the first call and, and going, you know, for the entire one, the one turn um, mile. So I, you know, Flightline to me is the horse to beat. I mean, if you're looking for horses underneath in the exacta, I would focus on leaving out Speaker's Corner because Speaker's Corner to me is kind of like that, that type of horse who's get good setups on or near the front end. Like, for example, when you look at that Carter handicap, you know, they went 23.17, 46.11. The fractions in Time Form US are all coded blue indicating a, a very slow pace and they're more of an upline meaning that the first call that the second call was slower than the first call the third call was slower than the second call so every single pace line has gone up in, with a blue designation so it was a slow early and fast late race and i don't think today with with flightline in this race that speaker's corner will get the circumstances i think you actually fold so i think 
you know, I wouldn't play this race from a straight wagering standpoint, but if I were, I would probably look at a code exacta with number four, Happy Saver, who kind of had a very tough trip in his comeback in Ali Shiva on May 6th on Kentucky Derby weekend, where he was parked three wide every single step off a slow pace, um, being won by Olympiad. He actually poked his head in front, kind of drifted in, made things tight in, in mid-stretch, and then was just kicked away by Olympia late. He loves Belmont Park, having won the Jogger Club Gold Cup here two years ago, and gets, you know, Irad, you know, stays aboard. So if I were to look, if I was looking for an exacta, it'll be a 1-4 exacta. But from a pick five standpoint, I'm looking to single number one flight line to start the pick five. Yeah, and I can't add too much to what you said. I mean, Flightline seems like he's a freak. The only problem is he runs too fast, so he can't really do it too often physically. And I agree, Speaker's Corner has had some favorable pace setups, some easy leads. The pace held together last time, as you alluded to. So if I had to pick one of the two, I think Flightline is the better horse there. Of course, you're going to get very, very short odds on Flightline. So I guess the only question is how short do you want to take on flight line? Is it worth trying to beat him even if he's one to five or something in that vicinity? Uh, do you see, I guess the only thing question I have is do you see, and I guess not from your, uh, the way you phrase how fast flight line is, but do you see there's a chance for a duel on the front end and then maybe Aloha West or more likely in your opinion, happy saver can win this thing or a speaker's corner, just not able to keep up with flight line. Do you think? Yeah, I think that if, if Jose, if, if Alvarado tries to go with flight line early, it's just going to compromise his own chances because I just don't see it. I just don't see how, you know, with, with the current form of speaker's corner and his circumstances that he's had in his last two starts where he will be able to, where he'll be able to contend with flight line late with you brought up Aloha West. And for those people who are looking to Aloha West, you know, that horse to me is very interesting and it's not based upon his Breeders' Cup. It was not because of his Breeders' Cup win where he nailed Dr. Silver on the wire. It was actually his, his comeback race in the Churchill Downs Handicap because that, that race featured a slow pace. If you look at Jackie's Warriors fractions, 22.76 the opening quarter, it was a lot slower than the Humana Distaff that was one that was won by Oligarch come from behind earlier in the day. But he was the one who actually did all the dirty work trying to chase or press um, a low, um, Jackie's warrior early. And I thought that was a very good comeback race, you know, from the son of hard spun. So with that race underneath his belt, the only question with him is, can he stretch his, you know, that stamina, you know, an additional eighth of a mile to a mile while um, Happy Saver has already won here at a mile and has shown affinity for Belmont before. So I, I would not talk anyone from a liking Aloha West, but the, the only differences between the four and the three was that Happy Saver has, has experience here at Belmont and over the, uh, the one-mile distance. Yeah, and I agree. Last time, Aloha West had no chance when they let Jackie War Jackie's Warrior walk on the lead, as you uh, mentioned. So I wouldn't hold last against him, if anything. It's a feather in his cap because there was no way he was running down Jackie's Warrior. I, I don't know. I can't really tell the difference between the three and four. If it was seven furlongs, I'd like Aloha West, a mile and eighth, I'd go with Happy Saver. At a mile, your guess is as good as mine. To me, they're very similar uh, in this spot. But uh, like I said, I, I flight line is so tough. So I don't have much to add. Uh, I guess we can move on to race 10 if you want. There's not that exciting a race. That's not, is that a race you would bet? I know you sound like underneath the exactness. Would you actually bet 
um, a flight line over Happy Saver exactors. Assuming the morning line is accurate, so you can figure out what the exact uh, you know will pays would be or probables would be. Is that something you do, or you just kind of sit out this race in the vertical? I would just sit out this race and and play. You know, start to pick five. You know, singling flight line. I you know I look at exacta probables. You know, you know before I make my exacta bets and have a certain threshold about how much I want to you know wager and my return. And I look to make more than two to one of my money for whatever I put into what the probable payout is going to be. And if I see where, you know, the payoff is going to be less than two to one or close to it, that two to one probable payoff versus my invest versus my um, wager, then I just pass the race. I'm not looking to put up a lot of money to make a small amount of money. I'd rather just put a small amount to make a lot. Yeah. And, and there's also some talk about, not that there's some talk, but there's some thought that, because flight line is going to be close to one to five, three to five, whatever he's going to be, maybe sitting out of a pick five and bet the pick four, because if you start with like a, a one to five shot that everyone has, is it really helping you? The one caveat to that is in New York, the pick five is 15% takeout. The pick four is a whopping 24% takeout. So if you're going to play the pick four, you're better off just playing the pick five and either sucking it up and taking flight line as a single, or if you think he's vulnerable, even if you have to use a two, three, and four, uh, to beat him just to uh, to get around flight line. Uh, we'll go to race 10, the Manhattan. And I promise to our listeners, I'm going to have a lot of opinions, but they start in the Belmont. I looked at the Manhattan and I'm just like picking hairs and splitting hairs, I should say. I really don't have a strong opinion here. There's a couple of horses I don't love too much, but this is a race where I'm probably going to end up going pretty deep in my pick five ticket. Chris, who do you see in the Manhattan? Yep. So this is so this is where I'm going to take. If you've seen the movie, the latest movie, Top Gun Maverick, you know that Maverick has a need for for speed. So I'm going to go for the, the the fastest horse early in this race, and it's number seven, Trebuvin. Uh, so this horse comes off two consecutive double digit beating lengths losses. The one, the Breeders' Cup turf, where he finished next to last beating. 17 three quarter lengths. And then last time on the turf classic where he's being 10 lengths, but I could find excuses for his last two starts, you know, in the breeders cup, he just went way too fast while pressed by acclimate, you know, know, through the first six furlongs in a race that totally collapsed for the closers as the the top three finishers rallied from 13th, 10th and eighth. So I put him as a pace victim in the breeders cup turf. Then last time out in the, in the turf classic at on Kentucky Derby day, the horse was sent over to the lead. He wasn't off the rail, but he was nearest the rail, you know, going throughout and then actually tried to hang in tough going into mid stretch before giving way late to finish fifth. Horses that raced nearest the inside on Kentucky Derby Day on the turf course were badly victimized. And those horses have, have already come back to run well or, or win as, as we can see in, in, the, in the turf classic, Two horses that race nearest the rail, BZ Channel and Kentucky Ghost, the seventh and ninth place finishers, all came back to win, and they both race on or near the that bad inside part of the turf course. The, the today the, the strategy is going to be very simple for jockey Manny Franco, and that is to go to the front end, going. And if you look at it, this horse last year on this race on this course and this trip ran second behind domestic spending. And if he were to duplicate that type of effort on this type of 
on this type of firm ground because it's expected to be dry on Belmont Stakes Day, this horse will be very, very tough to beat. So I'm looking at Trebruvin, but then I'm also going to double this race because I'm going to also be using num number five, In Love. So In Love is interesting because just looking at that race, and I, and I know that Eric's going to kill me because that race, October 9th, he had the absolute perfect picture inside and out, stock and pounce trip. But last time out, the maker's Mark Mile, this horse was coming off a very long layoff, race on the inside, you know, to, versus a slow pace and just did not run a step. But that race has become very productive. Three horses came back to win with buyer speed figures of 108, which was count again, 101, which was um, Maison, and then, 100, um, and then 100. So I'm very hopeful that, and this horse has a tendency to always improve in his second start off the layoff, as you can see in his past performances. So I'm going to take a shot that um, trainer Pablo Lobo and Alexis Archard will have number five in love in a perfect spot, you know, going into the top of the stretch and get the first run on the deep closer. So for me, I'm going to be using eight and five in the pick, no, seven and five in the pick five. All right. Well, you made one of our loyal listeners, uh, Jared Quigley, an extremely happy man. I think he's going to now follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter feed so we can follow you? Automatic zero one. All right. So anyone out there, but especially uh, the Quigleys, because they're in love with Tribuvin. And every time he runs, they try and mention uh, the Quigley's name. <laughs> I, you said it because I talked to you just before we went on the air. He was kind of like, you were totally right about what you said. I mean, the inside on May 7th, Kentucky Derby Day and Churchill on the turf was a disaster. You, you didn't want to be inside or anywhere close, but he was like three off the rail the whole time, which maybe that was too close. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't have an excuse. He had an easy lead. I thought even the pace held other than him. So I'm not talking to anyone off Tribune. Could he win? I wouldn't be shocked. I didn't cross him out like a no hope, but I don't really like him that much. And in love, I'll give you like his last race to me is a toss because he needs one off a layoff. You're not worried. I, I didn't even want to like press you on it because 15 to one, go for it. But you're not worried about the distance at all, a mile and a quarter compared to a mile? No, no, I'm not worried about the distance too much with this horse just because he's got enough tactical speed. And, you know, he's shown the ability before to run well at a mile and an eighth, you know, and he's and, you know, horses with his type of tactical speed that can, that can at least get a good position early on, especially if they save ground, can get the trip of a mile and a quarter. All right. And you, you said why I don't like him because he had that dream trip in his best race by far. So, uh, but I, I wouldn't talk anyone off of the five in love or tribute. And I don't really care for either one in this spot, but uh, I wouldn't talk you off. I'd say, I don't have a strong feel here. I, I mean, I think Gufo is going to win, but do I want a short price on Gufo? That's the, the yeah. question, especially when I'm signaling flight line in the first leg, probably do I want to go with the, you know, another favor here. I mean, if he's going to win, then what am I going to do? It's better than tearing up my ticket. I suppose if I just single Gufo, but I mean, he, he came back this year. I've, I've liked Gufo for a long time. I think he's very good. I don't think he was like a domestic spending, uh, Colonel Liam, Yabir. I don't think he's as good as those horses, but I think he's like the next tier down, which is as good as anyone here or better. Uh, last race, he ran in the Man of War, and there was really, it was a small field, and there was no speed on paper except for Aban, who is a Pletcher horse, who I think is not that good. Uh, and I didn't like, despite being low in speed in the race, and there was just no pace in the race, and Gufo couldn't really um, run the way he wanted to as far as, you know, coming from the back. He really hasn't had a ton of pace to close into in a while, so 
Uh, to me, I think he's tough here, but I don't know. A short price on Gufo. The other horse out of that race is Highland Chief. Uh, he's coming. He's the eight horse. He came out of the Man of War also, and he sat close to that soft pace right off of a bond, and then he passed him, and he finished really strong. No one was going by Highland Chief at the end, and he made some sense that day. He was not an impossible horse. I know a few people on different shows picked him, and I don't think I was against him. I honestly don't remember what I bet that race. Um, but I don't think I thought he had no chance. I thought it was going to be a you know uphill battle. Third off a layoff now. If last wasn't a fluke, I mean, again, I, I would say he got the benefit of being up on a soft pace to help him. But, I mean, there looks like there'll be more pace today. If nothing else, Tribune's going to go. So, you know, he could get a, a setup. He's more of a closer. He's got to shorten up, but I don't think that'll hurt him too much. He's won a mile and a quarter at Ascot before after dwelt start. That's the word dwelling at the start dwelt. Uh, anyway, so I, I think both of those out of the uh, man of war are, are pretty decent here. So those are two I would uh, I would want. And then the other horse is a kind of a bomb I'm going to throw in. And that's the three Tokyo gold who maybe isn't good enough, but I think there should be some speed, which is dangerous in New York because it never pans out. But uh, there's a horse around the Belmont Derby. And I thought ran really well as a three-year-old in July last year. He got an 85 buyer. And I didn't love that race. Bolshoi Ballet is it, a good horse. Uh, I think Santa Barbara ran in the girls' version of that race the same day. And I just thought Santa Barbara and the girls were better than the boys. But this horse ran okay, the three Tokyo Gold. And then came back in the, uh, I don't even know what they call it, the Jockey Club Derby Invitational on yeah. September 18th, long name there. And he ran into your beer. Um, and he had trouble in that race. If you want, go back and watch the September 18th race for Tokyo Gold. He had a lot of horse at the top of the stretch, like on the turn. He, now he had a good trip up until then. He was saving ground, sitting there. The jockey didn't touch him, Johnny V. And then he just lacked room late on the turn and the top of the stretch. And it lost his momentum, I think. And then I would have liked to have seen him finish with some punch once he had room. He did nothing once he got room. But I'm hoping that that just took something out of him and he kind of missed his, uh, his shot there. So listen, it's 30 to one. It's not like I'm trying to talk myself into a five to one shot here. Then he goes into uh, Italy. The turf, I assume that means very soft. The last, I don't even know. You know what HY is? I should probably know this. Heavy. So heavy. Very, very soft. Right. And if you look, his other heavy race was his worst race by far. So he obviously doesn't like it very soft. So I'll ignore that race like his prior heavy race. Thank you for that term. And then he comes back off a layoff at Longchamp. And you know, he didn't run great, but it was first off a layoff. He was 20 to 1. So it had to be a decent field if he was 20 to 1. Uh, I think he has an outside shot. There's a pace here to close. So I'm mostly on the two, the three, and the eight in this spot. Um, there are some others I have some interest in, but those are the main horses that I like here. Do you have anything else, Chris, on this race? Yeah, we can talk about the Ford Marcy, which is a local prep here, you know, for the um, the Manhattan. And that race was very – that race, you can really look at it as, you know, the um, repertoire, the one horse trained by Chad Brown, he really enjoyed those conditions those days because I put it as very um, testing conditions. I mean, this hit yielding, but it was extremely soft that day. So he handled it versus a horse like Rock Emperor who just never picked up his feet that day, you know, in, in the Ford Marcy. So if you're looking for an excuse, if you like Rock Emperor, then you can probably just draw a line through that race because of the very... Um, you know, the testing conditions on um, May 7th. Um, Santine was a horse that I really, really liked going into the, uh, the the Woodford Reserve Turf Classic. 
just because it was getting first time blinkers. And I've always loved that race back in November at, as a three-year-old at, at Del Mar when he, when he ran second while parked extremely wide from post 14. But doesn't send team, you know, doesn't he look like a horse that, you know, if you were, if you were there for the wedding and you didn't show up for the wedding, why would you be there for your funeral now? Now he's 72 in the morning line. I mean, that to me just, I mean, that's why I didn't pick him. Even though I loved him last race, it was because he had the good, he had the good trip, as we talked about, you know, the rail being, you know, not the place to be. He was parked on a good part of the turf course. Him and Miramisha were parked way off the rail. And to me, it just seemed like that was a day to like Santina. And today, you know, given the snow, given the 72 price and the conditions he had in his favor, I'm, I'm playing against Santina. And then Channel Maker, I mean, that race to me, his two races, his last two races were both very good. You know, the Beaters Cup turf, I mean, he finished fifth in that race that totally collapsed. And then last time out, the, the two horses that he ended up playing with finished next to last and last. But that was a really subpar field in the, Elk, in the Elkhorn at, at Keeneland. So I think today this could be a big of a step up. And from... You know, from five, from 42, from eight wins on the turf course, he's never won in five starts going a mile and a quarter. So I think a mile and a quarter might be a little bit too short for this eight-year-old son of English channel. So that's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, great race. So my only recommendation is do not take a short price on a horse in this race. Because I know people like Gaffoe, but I've never been a big fan of Gaffoe. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I I like Gufo a lot, uh, but like I said, I don't think he's a top top horse, but I think he's the next level. Uh, I'm similar to you on Santine. I didn't love Santine last time. We had Emily Gullickson on the show covering the Derby, and she liked that horse. And honestly, I don't want to take credit away, but um, I just think it was a factor of the trip, if, if nothing else. You said he was on the outer part of the sharp course, which was the good part of the sharp course to be on, and he was up on a slow pace. So um, Santine can win, but at a short price, I agree with you. I don't want Santine. And I might like Channel Maker a little more than you. The distance does worry me because can he sit? He showed though in the last two races, especially last race, that he can sit a little bit. So maybe going shorter, he can sit a couple of lengths off the pace and pound. So he's one I might throw in at a price, the 10 horse and some spreading. Um, the only other horse I want to mention before we, and I'm not against Rock Emperor. And you mentioned, I agree with everything you said, tossed the last race. I don't love the horse, but he's got a shot and it's Chad Brown who wins this race 98% of the time. Uh, the four, Adamo. This is a horse I actually liked last time. I didn't like the price when I saw it. I think it was like four or five to one in the morning line. And I was like, yeah, no, I can go with that. And then when I saw it, it was like two to one. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't think I can take that. Um, he didn't have an excuse last time to me. Uh, it wasn't a fast pace. So if you want to say that's an excuse, that's fine. But, you know, he was more towards the outside than the inside in the course. And he, he really was no threat. And, and while he ran very well the race before, it wasn't exactly the toughest field. The great, for a grade three, it was a solid field, but it wasn't a grade one field. So you know, on a, a class level, when he ran against grade one horses, he didn't run all that well. You, you didn't mention him, so I guess you don't love him, but the four Adamo, do you forgive last race a little bit because of the, the lack of pace, or do you not see it that way? You know, it was tough with me with Adamo because, you know, I didn't like his race in the fairgrounds, you know, his, his stateside debut where he ran second. And that was a really blanket finish because four horses were literally, it was a four-horse photo finish, this horse ran second. So I wasn't really impressed by it because the winner was a long shot gate to wide winner who did all the dirty work on the front end and cavalry charge. And then last time out, I mean, you know, I did like Santine, but 
you know, you expect horses trained by Chad Brown coming off the layoff, you know, in a grade one race to run much better than being, you know, third, being at six and, you know, in a quarter lengths with his stablemate, you know, doing the work on the front end. And so, you know, he might win. I mean, you know, with Chad Brown and Fabian Pratt, he's going to get, he's going to get attention, you know, for his race, but I want to see something from this horse, you know, from him, like, you know, like when Chad had Flintshire, like, you know, he showed it on the racetrack. This horse to me is just more based on reputation of his connections than what this horse has actually accomplished so far in his career. So yeah. that's why I'm, I'm looking to beat Adamo just because he's, we know he's going to get over bet, but he just, I mean, you're betting him based upon, you know, the reputation, what he's done previously, you know, as a three-year-old and, you know, from his connections currently. Yeah, and, and I'll give him a little more credit in the fairgrounds race because it was a blanket finish two back for Adamo. But if they ran another 10 yards, he would have won by six yards. So yeah. um, he really did finish strong. But again, it wasn't maybe the greatest field. And um, I agree with everything else you said there. So uh, I'm going to try and beat him in a short price, even though he definitely could win, especially if we get a pace in this race. So I'm basically on the, I know I hate to spread with uh, favor, but you know, I like Goofo. I got to see if I want to use him on the pick five, but I'm leaving out a lot of favorites. After this race, I'm, I'm you know, not too many favorites. So Goofo, the two for me, Tokyo Gold, the three at 30 to one, the eight Highland Chief at six to one are my main ones. If I throw in more, I would throw in Rock Emperor at 10 to one, the six, Channel Maker eight to one, the 10 horse. And that's kind of what I'm leaning to. And Chris is mostly the five in love and the seven tribuvin. Is that accurate? Yep. All right. So why don't we go on to, and that's not a race I'm looking to bet. Maybe I'll throw a few bucks on Tokyo gold and key him with a few horses, the horses that I mentioned, um, if he's a huge price. So I shouldn't say I won't bet it. I'll probably do that if he's that big of a price, but I don't have a lot of confidence in, but for 30 to one or 20 something to one, yeah, I would throw a few bucks, maybe like, I'm not going to bet a lot, a $2 exact box, a key box, three with, and then I'll use him with Gufo and maybe Rock Emperor and Highland Chief and Channel Maker, but mostly with Gufo and with uh, with Highland Chief in those exacts and maybe some triples too, where I'll use Tokyo Gold and, and those others as well. Um, but like I said, it's more of a stab at a horse who maybe has some potential that will get overlooked. Uh, race 11 is the big one, the Belmont Stakes. And I will say that, I have never seen a race analyzed by smart people in a way that I am befuddled. I don't understand. It seems easy to analyze some of these horses. Now, it's a horse race. Anything can happen. But how some people like certain horses in this field, especially at short prices, I am like beyond shocked. And I'm excited because let these horses take money. Um, I hope I'm not insulting our guests because we did not talk before who we like in this race or who we don't like. So I might be insulting our guest, Chris. I hope I'm not. I have a lot of respect for him. I don't want to lose it here. Chris, Belmont Stakes, before you tell me who you like, is we the people, the clear loan speed, and is he just going to walk around the track? Or is there going to be a little bit of a pace here in your opinion? No, he's not going to get, put it this way, he's not going to get the same trip that he got in the Peter Pan where it was a good sealed racetrack. He was able to dictate a soft pace. I mean, 47 and one is extremely soft. And he got, he only carried 118 pounds that day and won and he aired the field. Now he has to carry eight more pounds. He's gonna, I mean, they keep talking about this horse being lone speed. He will not be lone speed. The Philly Nest has got tactical speed and was only four and a half lengths 
and a length off of 46 and two and one eleven and two, um, you know, fractions in the Kentucky Oaks, which featured a very fast pace that was that was won by the that was that set up for Secret Oath. And the horse that ran fourth was Echo Zulu, who pressed that hot pace. So I think Ness will be the horse that's going to do the legwork of trying to press um, we the people because Fletcher has two in this race. He has he has Ness and he also has uh, the favorite Modonigal. So you know I think Ness will be the one to do it, but I'm going to go for a little bit of a price here, and I'm going to go for number five create, Creative Minister. This horse has never run one bad race in his career, and he's handled fast, sloppy, short, or long. You know, he missed the break. You know, he missed the break back on May 7th and made a very long extended run when he ran down the the um, the leader covered me up to win by two and three quarter lengths back on back on Kentucky Derby Day. And then his connections got a little bit of ambitious and spotted this horse in the grade one in the preakness stakes. And he actually ran very well considering you know, Christina step up in class where he had a good, he, he really had a good trip sitting up, up on the rail, you know, throughout trying to angle it out, angle it out to the outside and the three path coming into the top of the stretch and then finish, you know, finish, you know, the rest, you know, the best of the rest, as I would say, behind early voting and epicenter. He's got the tactical speed, but with Ness in this race, I don't see, you know, Brian Hernandez going, you know, trying to press him early. I think he'll probably sit third or fourth behind, you know, behind that, behind those two horses, Ness and We the People. And, you know, he will get the first jump. And being, you know, being a grandson of from the dam of Tappet, who's been one of the most successful, you know, sires in the Belmont, you know, doesn't, you know, helps as well. And Ken McPeak, didn't he train Sarava to upset Born Emblem more than 20 years ago at 71? So he knows his way around, you know, the Bel you know, for the Belmont stakes. So I'm gonna take um Number five, creative minister, and I'm actually going to single this horse in the in the um the pick five. Wow. All right. Interesting. Bold. Now I think it's really important to understand the two prior triple crown races and, and think about how they were run. The Kentucky Derby had one of the most insane paces I've ever seen in any horse race. If you were a closer in that race, I could have closed. If I was in the back of the pack running on my two legs, I would have passed some horses by the end. So how anyone can like a closer out of that race in at a short price, you've got to be insane, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying Mo Donald can't win the race. It's not the toughest field in the world for a, a grade one triple crown race. The best horses, Zandon, Epicenter, they're not here. So I can understand, yeah, he has a shot. How can you take a horse like Mo Donegal? How can you take a horse like Barbara Road? How, I think there's another one here, but a rich strike. How would you bet those horses back when they got the setup of a lifetime? Had they not got that setup, they would have been 15th, 14th, 12th, 18th in the Derby. And they wouldn't even be given a thought here. So to me, they are automatic tosses. The six Mo Donegal, the eight Barbara Road, the four rich strike. Right now, they're not anywhere. If I bet a superfecta, they will not be on my ticket. And some of that, well, at least two of them are short prices. So I could be wrong. These are three-year-olds. They improve. Maybe they improve a lot, but you're taking a short price on a horse that, yeah, they have to improve. Even if they have the best speed figures, I don't care. So those horses are, are done for me. No chance that I would bet any of those horses anywhere. So that left me with five horses here. Um, I don't like We the People because of what you said. 
He had an amazing setup. And that wasn't against him in the Peter Pan. I, I thought he had a decent shot in that race. But he had a really easy trip on the lead, no pressure. And those are horses that you really don't want to take back at short prices. Could he come back and win? Yeah. If he was not the only speed, he'd be an automatic toss too. And I'd be getting rid of the three big favorites here. And I'd, I'd be gold in this race. If I'm right, maybe I throw away my money and it comes in mode down and go rich strike and we, the people in a, you know, triple and I get nothing, but I don't know, unless he's alone speed again, in which case he's dangerous. How do I take that horse at a short price who had an easy lead against weaker? So that leaves me with four horses. And one of them I, is yours. <laughs> it's my fourth pick. It's not crazy, but I just feel, oh, and, and I want to talk about the other race, the Preakness. So let's get to the Preakness now. So the Preakness, I'm not a biased guy. I've come on the air a lot. Those of you who listened to the show for the last two years or so, Maybe like five times in a hundred shows or whatever it's been, I've talked about a bias, a bias racetrack. I'm just not a big bias guy. There have been times that that's been true. Chris pointed one out to me last year when, um, was it Rock Your World uh, against yeah, uh, the Medina Anita Spirit Derby. in the Santa Anita Derby, perhaps? Where Rock Your World Road, uh, was it like a great rail or something? I forgot already. Yep. Speedbot, whatever. So Rock Your World had the amazing bias advantage and Medina Spirit had to come on the outside or press on the outside, whatever it was, and ran wide against the bias. And then he turned the tables in the derby and Rocky World was nowhere, although he had trouble, but still. And he really never panned out to be, you know, what he was expected to. So uh, I have talked about bias here and there, but that Preakness Day was one of the biggest bias racetracks I've ever seen in my life. The derby pace was one of the fastest I've ever seen. The, the Preakness bias, in my opinion, was insane. I know oh, early voting is amazing. Early voting. I can't wait to bet against early voting. Maybe he's an improved horse, but he walked on a lead on a huge bias track with no pace in the race. So to me, that race was all about, you had to be speed and creative minister was not speed. So I'll give him that, but he did sit like a perfect trip inside just behind the speed. So I'm, I'm debating. Was it a, normally I say that's a perfect trip and I downgrade, but maybe because you couldn't really make up too much ground. Epicenter was a monster to make up ground after his start and what happened. So um, I, I don't know. I'm not in love with creative minister. I can see him winning. And since I'm tossing the favorites, I'll probably use him. But he's definitely the fourth horse I like here. Uh, and I like the other three I think I'm down to. And, and these are horses I've liked in the past. Uh, I'll, I'll just go in order of the post position. I'll try and be quick because I'm talking for a long time here. Number two, skipping long stocking. I got laughed. I was at Monmouth this weekend. I won't mention the trainer's name, but I was hanging out with a trainer at Monmouth. And when he asked me about the, uh, the Belmont and who I like, and I mentioned Skippy Longstocking is one of the horses, he laughed at me. That horse can't, me can't come in the top 10 or whatever in the nine horse field. So apparently he's not a fan of Skippy Longstocking, but this is a horse who I liked in the Preakness, but I couldn't bet him in the Preakness because of the way the track was playing. He had zero chance. He had zero pace in the race. He, he didn't have that wide, but a little wide, but it wasn't crazy wide. But with zero pace in the race on a track that you couldn't make up ground, I, I forgive him. And he actually ran probably his best race of his life. I think mean, each race he's getting better. And it's weird because you see a horse who's run like 10 times or whatever he's run. And you think other horses have more upside, but he just keeps getting better. So I don't know. Do I love Skippy Longstocking? No, but he's 20 to one. I think he has as good a shot as anyone. So I like Skippy Longstocking here. Next, I liked him a lot in the, uh, I've liked him for a long time for those listeners. Right. And back when he was a two-year-old, I've been saying this was my Oaks horse and um, it didn't work out in the Oaks, but 
when I watched it live, I was frustrated because I was alive for a lot of money. I actually hit the pick four. It was a thousand bucks to secret oath, but I had a lot more on Ness. So I would have made a lot more. So I was watching him and or her and got a little cut off early. I didn't even notice this live, but it got cut off almost two different times early before they made the first turn. And I think Ness was further back than she wanted to be in that race. Um, and then, yeah, same ground and we had a good trip. And then as they were going to the second turn, had a lot of horse under him, I ran, and just had nowhere to go, got shuffled back. It wasn't an awful trip, but it was not an ideal trip. And at that point, Secret Oath got the jump and, and took off. So I think Ness race was better than it looks. And that 91 buyer she got, I think is more maybe a 94, 95 buyer based on the trip. And that means it was a little better than the race before, which was better than the race before. And I just think Ness is continuing to improve. I think the distance... I mean, no one wants to go mile and a half, probably, but if anyone does, Ness does in this field, a uh, curling out of an AP Indy mare. Uh, Pletcher is great in this race, too. So I and has tactical speed, can sit closer if there is no pace, as you mentioned, Chris. So I definitely like Ness. And I'm sorry, I'm going so long. I'll wrap it up. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm using Golden Glider, too. I know the speed figures look like no shot. I singled Golden Glider in the Peter Pan, and there was just no pace in the Peter Pan for him to close into. And I think he's better coming off the pace rather than having to press a slow pace. So um, do I love Golden Glider? No, but I think last was better than it looks. I don't like any of the, the favorites here. So I'm Skippy Longstocking, Nest, I'm Golden Glider. I'll probably throw in Creative Minister a little reluctantly, uh, but those are my horses in the Belmont. And I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get through it with those three or four horses. Chris, yeah. I talked for like eight minutes straight. I apologize. Your thoughts on anything I said or anything else you want to add? You know, you, you did it right. I mean, I like, I, I like Nest. I didn't like her going into the Kentucky Oaks just because she was facing inferior competition, I thought, in the Sun Coast and then also in the Ashton Stakes. But that race in the Kentucky Oaks, she really earned, she kind of, she earned my respect, not because of the fact, not because of the fact that she ran second to Secret Oath, but because she was able to sit closer to a faster pace than she was accustomed to in both the Ashton and the Sun Coast. And she still produced the same type of, finish where she was more of a grinding finish coming towards the wire behind secret oath. And I think that these type of that a horse that should enjoy the mile and a half will be a horse that doesn't have an explosive turn of speed, like a, like a horse coming from like on the turf, but more of the grindy type of style in the stretch. And, and Ness has that, you know, she's a full sister. She's a, she's a full sibling to a horse named idol who won the Sandy to handicap. And Idol won at a mile and a quarter and a mile and three sixteenths. And wouldn't it be ironic that Top Pletcher, who trained Rags to Riches to, de to defeat Curlin, the Belmont Stakes, would train this daughter of Curlin to win the Belmont. <laughs> so for, um, for his longtime client, you know, Rapoli and then Eclipse, Eclipse Thoroughbreds. So I, I totally get you on with the three nest as well as number two, skipping long stockings who, you know, is a one-paced horse. And I think one-paced horses will enjoy running a mile, you know, will enjoy the at a distance of a mile and a half. And the last time out in the Preakness, I just wrote that, you know, was was park wide versus the speed bias that you mentioned mm -hmm. and just split the field. And those horses are the type that you want running back, especially when they find, like you just mentioned before, where they find horses, where they find a field where the favorites are vulnerable. So Skippy Longstockings to me is my third is my third um, pick in this race. But I agree with you. You know, if you're looking to beat the favorites, or especially we're bias aided, but you know we're pace aided, 
then you can actually spread leaving out the favorites just because you know that the favorites are going to be, you know, everyone talks about using the alt button, but they don't know, but they don't have any type of um, reason to do it. They just said, but the race is wide open. I just want to get through it. How Eric presented it is I'm not going to use the alt button, but I'm going to try to beat the favorites because I have a, an angle against them. And that's exactly how, you know, if you're using the spread, that's how you should spread. If you have an angle against a favorite, throw out the favorites, but then use the alternatives you want in your, in your multi-race sequence. Yeah, and the only favorite that worries me is We The People because he could get it decently, and I actually think he might be a little better than the other favorites anyway, but I, I'm still going to try and beat probably. Um, all right, so that's that. Oh, and, and one other thing I just want to mention, because I, I hear it all the time. I heard it before the Derby. You can't close from the back to win the Derby. You got to be uh, stalking the lead or something like that or on the lead. Every race is different. If you go 45 seconds, you're going to be able to close. If they go 50 seconds, you're not going to close. Belmont Stakes, I'm hearing the same thing. Oh, you got to be close. You got to be close. Well, guess what? Creator wasn't close. Guess what? Sir Winston wasn't close. I don't care if he rode a bias. There's plenty of horses that can come off the pace. Horses can go on, on the pace. If it's fast, they'll close. If it's slow, the speed will hold. In general, speed does better in especially dirt races. So it makes sense that more speed is going to win. I think the percentage of closers winning these triple crown races is actually higher than the percentage of closers that win everyday allowance and claiming races where it's the same. I mean, I just don't buy that uh, theory. So um, I, every race is different to me, but I'm not really yeah. a stats guy, I guess. And that's what they're all about. So um, anyway, so we kind of covered that. Are you good to uh, move on here? Yep, we're good to move on. All right, so for those of you who are going to stop listening because you only cared about the Belmont Stakes, thanks for listening. But we're going to finish out this pick five, which is actually a really nice pick five. The only problem is flight line at the beginning of it. You know, if you can't beat flight line, you're taking a really short price early on. Uh, but you got four deep competitive fields, I feel. And I have opinions in three of the four races. Just in Manhattan, I don't have a strong opinion. Um, so I'm, I'm going to press my opinions. And for the most part, I do not like favorites. So that's a good thing. Uh, we go to race 12, $75,000 meeting claimer event, one mile on the turf. And David Aragorn is an excellent morning line maker, and he's probably going to be right. But do you see the 12 North Carolina as the nine to five favorite here? I, I just don't think that horse is going to be the favorite, but I could be wrong. What do you think, Chris? I think the eight owls rocket will be the favorite. David does such a great job with the morning line. But I think come post time, I think you'll see, you know, owls rocket. You know what those three turf races against straight maiden races be the will will be the eventual post time favorite in this race. Yeah, and, and Al's Rocket is a, a nice horse uh, running against maiden special weight April 9th, coming off a little bit of a vacation there. Uh, ran a mile, similar trip actually. That was on the inner. Uh, what was it? Was that Aqueduct? I'm sorry, that was the inner. If it matters, Aqueduct, but the winder here. Um, I upgraded that race. Uh, it was four wide the whole way, covered a lot more ground than the other horse. And there was no pace in that race. I can toss the last one off the turf. So I think Al's rocket is tough. So I said, I'm not on the chalk. This is, I guess, like a co-chalk technically second choice, but um, this one I do like. There's two other long shots I like though also, uh, who I really want to use and will be betting this race. But I definitely think Al's rocket, the eight is going to be tough. Um, and I don't care for North Carolina, the 12. I thought it had pretty easy leads. We'll put up, you know, bigger spot, uh, buyer speed figures, already a five-year-old. I'm not saying the horse can't win, but I, I just won't be anywhere on my tickets, North Carolina. So, Chris, are you, uh, do you think Al's Rock is tough here? Do you like some uh, price horses? How do you see this race? This is a – I'm going to go for a bomb in this race. Um, I'm a big pedigree guy on horses trying 
chart for the first time, you know, horses trying not something new for the first time, especially if I get a price. And I think I've never picked a horse who had a zero buyer before. <laughs> but I will do this for the first time. Number 11, nothing to see here. So nothing to see here. It was in a five-horse field. This horse was the, was the third choice at six to one and just didn't pick up his feet. In fact, she finished dead last, being, being a city block, 51 and three-quarter lengths. So now returns, drops in class into a maiden claiming price for the first time, which makes sense because this is a homebred. But what I love about this horse is the dam's, pro, the dam's progeny who love this horse. And I'm very familiar with, with one of the horses, of, you know, the progeny. So this horse has produced three horses that, are, that, that have um, run on the turf, okay? One of them was Miss Technicality for Christophe Clement. Miss Technicality won her first two starts on the turf, including this, her second start when she won the June of Phillies turf at Kentucky Downs going a mile by six lengths. And then the other horse that I'm very that I know from her, it was because she's a half sister to a horse named, by the name of Stays in Vegas, who ran here for Jerry Heimdorfer back here in California. And I cashed a ticket when this horse broke her maiden, broke won her first on the turf at seven to one in the Surfer Girl at Santa Anita back in October of 2015. So this will be the the fourth horse that was tried the turf for the first time, and two of them have already run when they first start on the turf. So that is why number 11, nothing to see here, will be my long shot top pick in the, in the 12th, in the, uh, this main acclaimer race. But and Nico, because Nico, if you watch the break last time out, this horse absolutely blew the break, was dead last, leaving the start, went over to the inside. The rider tried to get, the, got this horse to running around midway in the far turn, and then, she ran into the heels of a very tired horse, and this horse had to check very badly. I mean, the horse was already in a bad spot, being dead last with the slow start. But then when she tried to make a run, he just, you know, he ran into that tired horse and just was wrapped up on, you know, coming, you know, wrapped up, up in the wire. Gets first time Lasix, drops in class, switches to Trevor McCarthy. Do I think this horse has a shot? Yes. And were we going to get a big price? You name it, because the horse, the favorite in this race has already, Al's Rocket, who I, you know, Al's Rocket, who I think will be the post-time favorite, has already lost twice at, at even money, and it looks like six to five. So I would not, you know, can he win with Irad? Of course, but he's already lost twice as the favorite already. So I'm going to be looking for boxcars with horses who, who are making their second start, who have one is the pedigree angle with nothing to see here, and the 10, Nico, who had a trip, making and dropping in class, you know, for the first time. Well, Chris, we're going to disagree in some races like the last race, but in this race, we're exactly alike because <laughs> the two other horses I like are the 10 Neko and the 11, nothing to see here. And you said exactly what I have written down that horrible trip that Neko had, not only the start where it was like ridiculously bad, but as you mentioned, he got caught behind the tiring horse that looked like he had a lot of horse like he was going to make a run and despite that awful start there's the 10 neko he actually looked like he might be in the mix for a win and then i mean we don't know for sure but if you were to flatten out but um you know he lost all chance again so two not just one like ridiculously bad event in the race but two so that's a total toss or upgrade whatever you want to call it so i'm on neko i'm on nothing to see here you mentioned all the breeding uh just to throw out there a stat 
I'm not a big stats guy, but some people like it. Bill Mott, second time starters, dirt to turf, uh, at a route or route, a long distance race, is has a 248 ROI, seven for 50, 14%, which isn't like amazing, but the ROI is 248. So when he wins, he wins at prices and he wins decent enough. So um, you know, that matters to you. Uh, that's great. So I'm all about the 8, 10, 11. The only horse that I, I'm a little debating, I guess it's not really a word. Well, it's a word, but it didn't quite go together. Uh, I'm, I'm debating the four just like this for Brad Cox. Usually I don't bet first time starters long. He's not a favorite. You know, he is a price and I hate to lose because I left him out. He's the first fall out of a uh, mom who was a dirt horse. But the mom, Majestic Presence, had one try on the turf, and it was actually her best race. She put up her highest buyer speed figure. It was actually at the Santa Anita downhill, got an 86 buyer and lost by like a half a length or something coming in third. So she ran well the one turf race she had. Um, Brad Cox is three for 15, which is 20% for what that's worth. A small sample, so I don't care that much. First time long on the turf. My point is, I don't bet horses going long for the first time usually. But there are some trainers who are just good at it. Like Chad Brown, I don't care about. Clement, I don't care. They're good. Brad Cox is one of those few guys that I don't, I'm not concerned about. Usually when they spend 250000 for a horse and they debut him in a claiming race, I don't like that. It's a bad sign. They want to get rid of the horse. But it's not like they're debuting him for like thirty or 40000 It's 75000 It's a significant amount of money that they can win plus a purse. So you know they'll, they'll take a little bit of a bath on the horse, but not like a total uh, you know, fire sale here. So... I might throw in the four. I might not. It really depends on my ticket here. Um, if I'm not using We the People, if I'm not using, um, you know, depends if I use Goofo or not. If I don't use Goofo, you know, then I'll probably use this horse definitely because uh, why not? But um, that, that's the other horse I'm doing. So I'm, I like Al's Rock at the eight, but the 10 Neko, the 11 Nothing See here, and maybe the four just like this. And I'm playing against the 12 North Carolina and pretty much everyone else. Chris, you want to finish up the race and we'll go on? Yeah, so, you know, the one thing I see about this race, too, is that, you know, the seven horses coming um Floki's flight is coming out of two consecutive sprint races where he's shown some type of early speed and he's run second, you know, each time. He's actually my third pick. Only then, the only reason why he's my third pick is that I can see this horse getting, you know, that lone F, you know, pace setter trip. And, you know, with main acclaimers, you know, sometimes when you get to the front end, they just don't stop. So I think that, you know, this, this is the, this is the race where I'm actually going to go three deep where I'm going to be using in you know, four deep, well, no, actually three, because I'm going to be using Floki's flight, you know, Floki's flight mean in this race, but the only reason I use Floki's flight, because I just think that this horse could possibly get, you know, that, that loan, that pace setting trip on the front end. Yeah, I don't like Floki's flight. I wouldn't talk you off of the horse because it's kind of guessing, but there's really no turf breeding whatsoever. Kozan is is actually a, who I think was a turf horse, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but um, as is below average as a turf sire. Uh, the mom and two sibs have no turf at all. Rudy Rodriguez is eight for 126 turf to dirt. And in a route race, he's two for 57 first time dirt. So again, I, I don't like talking people off horses. Although I just tried to maybe, but uh, at a short price, I don't like Floki's flight. Maybe he gets a lone lead and, and he wins the race that way. But um, I'm hoping North Carolina shows some speed. And there's some other horses uh, that look like they have some speed if they transfer to the turf, like the nine cheeky two, 
and I forgot who else, but a few others here. Uh, possibly the six, Dracone. We'll see. He's shown speed. I, I don't know how the pace will play out. I'm bad at that. But um, yeah, that's I'm against that horse for the most part. So that's uh, that's all I got in this race. You ready to move on? Or Yep, ready to move on. All right, on to the finale. It is race 13. It is a state-bred first-level allowance turf sprint, six furlongs on the inner turf at Belmont. And this is a race where uh, I kind of, I don't say I cheated because I didn't do it. Chris sent me his pick this race. Um, so I know where he's going. So I'll let him start and then I'll tell everyone why he, <laughs> his pick is a bad bet. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. So I'm going to be singing number uh, 12, Palace Gossip, who cuts back from seven furlongs going to six. And then last time out, uh, chased, you know, pretty much was the one that was chasing. The, the pace setter act of Congress made that first run to challenge that horse made the lead and then got swallowed up late by two horses that rallied from eighth and six. I think today on the cutback going from seven, from seven, eighth to six furlongs drawn outside with first time Fabian Prat. I think that past gossip will get a good, we either be a good trip on or near the, the front end. So I'm looking to single the 12 past gossip to end the Belmont stakes card. All right. So I, I don't really like Palace Gossip. Not that he can't win or I'm against her. It's just as a favorite, I, a short price. I don't want this horse. And here's why. After she broke her maiden in November, she came back at this level. She's over two at the level. Came in second and third. April 14th, two back. I thought I had an excellent trip behind a two-way speed duel. Uh, it was a layoff. So was, all right, maybe, you know, needed the race a little bit, but ran, um, Again, uh, almost, I don't want to say perfect trip, but very good trip behind a speed duel. Came back, and maybe seven furlongs is too long. If you want to argue that, I can accept that. But, uh, yeah, it was up on a pace, uh, stalking a six-to-one shot, came in sick. I didn't think it was a, a fast pace. I didn't think it was slow. I just thought it was average pace, whatever. Um, and was three wide in the race, but got out-finished, and maybe the distance was the issue. Now shortening up, but... Uh, do you want an already four-year-old? I don't know if you're going to get any improvement in this horse. Can definitely win, but I don't want that horse at a short price. And I just have all prices here. I have four horses I like, and they're all, I think, almost all double-digit odds. Uh, I'll start with the uh, two flip my id or flip my id. I think it's flip my id. Uh, and that is the two horse with Irad and Mike Meeker. There's a horse who ran against Palace Gossip last time on April 14th. And... In that race, I'm sorry, I'm trying to flip the page. I got stuck there. Uh, in that race, dueled a three-to-one shot who came in seven. So I guess I felt the pace was a little honest. Uh, it wasn't like a crazy fast pace, but um, that duel had to take something out of this horse. Again, a three-to-one shot. She dueled on the lead who faded also. So uh, this horse was also bumped hard at the break. Didn't lose that much momentum, but was hit really hard. And, you know, if I punch you in the stomach as you start a race, even if you don't lose any ground, it's got to take something out of you. So uh, to me, I would, and it was off a layoff. I would upgrade that performance a lot. Uh, I like the speed. It's Irad, so won't get in the speed duel. Probably sit just off the pace and get that perfect inside-out trip that Irad will give. And you know, Irad will knock people over if he has to in order to get free. So you just gotta hope you don't come down on the DQ. But I like the two. Flip my id. Uh, another horse I really like here is a horse I singled last time, and she lost. And that's the eleven Lady of Thornton. This was eleven to one single I had on May fifteenth. Uh, at Belmont, and I guess it was early pick five. And I really like this horse there because I like the race two back. Um, 
two back. I can't read what I wrote. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Extremely slow start, two back. Just like ridiculously slow. Had no chance in that race. So I wanted to give her another chance last time. I actually thought the stretch out might be good for her too. So last race. Now, she also ran at starter 50 level. We've talked about this on the show. But in New York, the first level state bread allowance and the starter allowance open are, are very similar. Um, if you look at the horses in those races, they always have similar buyers and a very similar level. So she was at a similar level last time. She got squeezed badly at the break, and it wasn't her fault this time. So I can't just say she doesn't know how to break. It was not her fault. But she got squeezed really bad at, at the break and was checked repeatedly early, was very rank. I mean, and to close for third was impressive, and it wasn't like a, a much of a pace in the race. So my only issue is the short distance. Can she do it? I think she can close into that short distance. So I have the two flip my in. If there's not much pace, I'm in good shape. And add the 11, Lady Thornton. If there is a lot of pace, I'm in good shape. And I really like both of those horses. And they're 10 to 1 and 15 to 1. I'm and I'll, you can bet I'll have a lot of bets on this race. And my biggest bet will be an exacto with those two. Um, the other two words I'll go real quick that I like that I'm debating if I want to throw in my pick five. And they're prices, so I'm probably going to throw them in. Um, that's the one, Solib. This is a horse who ran at this level only once. On the turf, it was last time going a mile and 16, had a two-length slow start, and then kind of, I don't know, rushed up, but kind of slowly rushed up, if that's part of this, like an oxymoron, slowly rushed, but um, slowly rushed up and got, I can't even see what that says. Oh, two-length slow start, squeezed, uh, slowly rushed up, had an easy lead, but I can forget between the start and maybe, you know, the distance wants to shorten up. I don't know, one in a mile 16, so maybe not the distance, but I can forgive that effort a little bit after that slow start. Uh, I don't love the one. I just think this horse has a shot because I really like to race in the Teppin, that November 28th race against Open Company. I thought she stalked a very uh, strong pace, and uh, I, I just was impressed with that race. And it was against open company against much better than this. Vergara was a stakes winner. Uh, I think a great stakes winner for not mistaken. And she broke her maiden really well, October 8th against state breads. I, I love that race too. She was very rank early in that race. Stalked an eight to one shot who ended up coming in last. So it was a solid pace. Uh, again, the distance, we'll see if she's better, shorter, if she can sit off the pace a little bit or what. But, you know, definitely I like the top two better. But so even, and finally, Dufresne is a horse I also, I believe, singled on May 14th at 11 to 1. Uh, so I think that was another one of my singles uh, the day before I singled Lady of Thornton. Needless to say, I lost both of those bets. But I don't think I had a terrible idea uh, with Lady Thornton. I think she would have won if, if she didn't have that trouble. Um, but Dufresne took a bad step and bobbled early. Now, she didn't do much running after that. But it was off a layoff. And my thing was, if she was ready off a layoff, like I thought she had a good shot to win that race. She probably needed the race. She took that bad step. I'll forgive that race. And if I forgive that race, if she improves off her two-year-old form, I think I have a live horse here. So um, I, I definitely like Dufresne. So uh, I'm two flip my end. I'm 11, Lady of Thornton. And then the one and eight with uh, Solib and Dufresne would be the, uh, the also's for me. And I'm just using those four in this race at most and, uh, hopefully I'm alive and cash for some decent money in the last leg there. Chris, I'll let you uh, take it away. You can comment on what I said or anything else you want on this race. Nope. You pretty much covered it all. I mean, that's the, I mean, the, I mean, take, just taking a look at that race here. I mean, there's going to be some money on Shamalog, you know, Shamalog Ding Dong, you know, for um, Christoph Coman, Joel Rosario. But I just felt that this horse had a perfect setup 
that, that she, you know, that she broke her maiden back on April 29th here at Belmont. So I, 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 I can, I, I'm, I'm kind of against her. I totally agree with you on the one horse. I think, you know, Salim should be able to enjoy the, the cutback and distance. I did have a good note there that that was a respectable performance. You know, the Teppan sticks, you know, in her last start as a two-year-old. And I think that she's probably a much better sprinter on the turf than she is on, on the, you know, going long. So I, I do respect you there. And then, you know, with the two, I, you know, the two Ortiz brothers, I, you know, I can't, you cannot talk anyone off of price. So I, I'm, I'm on board when, when it comes to, you know, your two horses that, that you selected, because there should be a quick pace up front. Yeah, I didn't even realize that's how much, how little I pay attention to jockeys. I didn't realize the two and 11, I got the two Ortiz's, so I can't complain about that. <laughs> um, the four Sean Lemon Ding Dong had a good same ground and all that, but I don't know, it was very rank. Actually got off to a slow start. Um, it was a layoff last time, so I can see the four improving. I'm not against the four. I mean, I'm not betting the four, but I'm not like against the four where uh, Shamalama Ding Dong, I don't think is impossible here. Uh, and then one other horse at a short price, maybe we can mention is that six, uh, Fanta, Fontana Freda. Is that right? Fontana Freda, I guess. Uh, this is a horse who I thought last race uh, had a, a good setup. There was a duel up front, really helped. So I didn't love the performance, but it was a layoff in Bond is not one necessary to crank them off off a layoff. So second time out, this horse should improve. And that's a horse that scares me. But again, at a rel- it's not that short of a price. But And I think you might get better than 5-1 to one on that horse in this big field, maybe 7-8-1. to one. Uh, But I think that horse has a shot also. Again, I'm not going to go with those horses, but I- I'm a little afraid of those horses. And, and listen, your horse, Palace Gossip 12, obviously has a decent shot here. But you know, for the reasons I said, I'm going to try and play against. Yep. All right. We good? Do you have anything else? Oh no, 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 no. We, we, we are, we are good. I mean, I, I know, I know. I mean, I, I, you know, as far as the earlier races go, I mean, some of the great ones that we have here. I mean, if you look at the Woody Stevens, I mean, there's pretty much. I mean, Jack Christopher is a short field, so it looks like Jack Christopher might, might be the second, might be Chad's second coming, and that's only a six horse field, and Chad looks like he has the the horse to beat. And then we talked about the seven to Ogden Phipps, which has another five horse field with Lutruska. So, you know, we we don't want to just give out, you know, a pick five just because we said we actually like we have to like the sequence, which is why, you know, especially the, our, the last two races where we had, you know, some strong opinions on. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully they're accurate opinions. But uh, I, I do like the late pick five. I mean, I wish the flight line race was in there. I don't know why. I think the Jiper was race eight. I would have loved if they switched race eight and nine. If they put the Jiper in this sequence at 12 horse or 13 horse turf race, this would have been like an amazing late pick five. And it would have also been in the middle pick five. So it wouldn't have really made a difference. The only difference now is you have flight line and two pick fives instead of one. I don't know if that was done on purpose or because it's the mile and they have to run it maybe for TV purposes next to the Belmont. That's a possibility too. But Oh, it would have been so good having the Jiper in this sequence. I didn't look at the race, but, um, and I know a, a horse, <laughs> GQ always teases me, uh, Casa Creed, uh, an old boyfriend horse of mine who I like. I don't know if I like him on Saturday. I didn't look at the race, but, uh, you know, that's a horse I, I've always liked. But that, that seems like a race that would have been fun for this sequence. But, you know, if we did the middle pick five or whatever you call it, the, uh, I think they call it the middle pick five. And just had, like you said, so many short fields and heavy chalks. It just wasn't very fun for us. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully we gave you some things to think about. 
Hopefully Mo Donegal doesn't win the Belmont because I'll look like an idiot to the millions of people I've said he has no shot. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. So good luck. Enjoy the races this week. Enjoy the Belmont Stakes. Uh, we have a really great guest next week, so I'm looking forward to it. And we will see you then. Have a great weekend. Ta-ta.